Once upon a time, in a deep forest filled with thousands upon thousands of blooming flowers, a lady waited with fair hair tangled in glittering gemstones. Her velvet dress shimmered with alizarin pomegranates and red silk studded with rubies and garnets, and her long fingers dangled a necklace of the finest gold. The lady prepared to place it into a chest, taking great care as she locked away her jewels, her very heart within the black night of that box. And around this maiden stood beasts of beauty and terror. To her right, a great lion reared with fangs bared, as to the left waited something more rare, a creature who dwelt solely in the misted shadowlands of dream and fairy tale. Its white fur gleamed against the crimson woodland floor, pure and wild. It watched with yellow eyes at the lady while she placed her necklace in the chest, and all was quiet in that forest as the maiden and beast looked at something inwards beyond the chest, past earthly darkness and into the soul, perhaps. And in this enchanted twilight lit only by blooms of foxglove and dog rose, the maiden asked the white beast, Amon Sol de Sir, and the unicorn, still gazing with its bright yellow eyes, answered back, Amon Sol de Sir. And with that, the lady closed the golden chest with a final clasp. Hi, I'm Isabel. And I'm Hope. And you're listening to Far Beyond, the podcast where we delve into enigmatic stories from the past. Yes, and we are back now after a very long hiatus with (laughs) season two. After only three episodes in the first season. Our seasons are recorded over the course of a intense week where we are actually (laughs) together in one physical Mm -hmm. location. We lock ourselves in a a podcast studio and and never leave. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, we stay here, camp out, and we are going to be talking about something very wonderful and mysterious and dark and just like fabulous i feel like we needed something that kind of had a french base to kind of open up season two just to get us in the fairy tale mood yeah so the lady in the unicorn tapestries isabel you have a little bit of background with these but you guys this artwork is basically the mona lisa of Of the middle ages and of tapestries and of tapestries yes they're red they are crimson (laughs) they're just luxurious they have backgrounds that are incredibly detailed and they took Mm -hmm. like three years to weave maybe even longer there's a lot of mystery surrounding who did them who commissioned them all of that that's why we're we're talking about them on our on our spooky podcast yeah we're gonna try to figure out exactly why they were made and what they're about Mm, and that little story describes the first or i guess you could say the last tapestry the kind of like capstone of the series because these tapestries are six in total and the first five are about our senses so sight hearing touch what are the other ones taste Is that five? I I think so. Maybe. Um, It's difficult Mm. to remember these things. But the last one, (sighs) Amon Sol de Sur. (laughs) We have. Yes, it's been a full month. We are official artists now. (laughs) So we can finally follow our podcasting dreams. Um, True passions. But Amon Sol de Sur, that is the one we're really going to be looking at today. So why don't I give you, Isabel, a little bit of background? Okay. Um, I would recommend for anybody who is into this sort of stuff to read The Lady and the Unicorn by. Tracy Chevalier, I believe. Hope and I found two copies of this very cool book and 
yeah at a a used bookstore and that kind of inspired a little book club that then turned into this podcast episode (laughs) it's kind of based on fact she did amazing research but also it is fictionalized too there's some risque elements um insofar as like the french nobility and artists and romance and those vagabond artists uh uh-huh yeah around so if you're feeling like you need a nerdy read that takes place in like the 14th 15th century in france go for that for Mm -hmm. sure by tracy chevalier but let's go ahead and look at how these podcasts or not the podcast how the (laughs) um how the tapestries themselves were made they were designed in paris around the year 1500 right so this is as the renaissance is coming in but we're still in the medieval era and if you look at these tapestries you can see how they are kind of two-dimensional um they're not quite as like lively and realistic as renaissance art is but that makes them even more magical because they do have a stylization that makes them a little bit creepy and otherworldly and dreamlike Uh, these all depict a lady who is flanked by a lion and a unicorn surrounded by an enchanting world of animals and trees and flowers and one of the most intriguing aspects of these artworks is like who are they made for and what do they symbolize and what's the story that they tell because I think it does kind Mm -hmm. of transcend just the five senses but I'm going to go ahead and describe what they are so we have Louis Uh, which is sound and in that one the lady is wearing a dress and she's playing an organ to kind of pull the unicorn in and Levu is sight and that's where the lady is holding a mirror and the unicorn is looking in the mirror in her hand to see its own reflection and I think that is like my personal favorite I love it Ligut which is taste and the lady is accepting this food from her maid I think it's like sweetmeats or something like that Le Toucher and that's where the lady is holding the horn of the unicorn um and then the last of course is a mon soul de sur and that means my soul desire as she's placing this necklace in the chest so there are two different theories i'm gonna let you like kind of digest and sit on and then we'll kind of delve a little bit into like who ordered these tapestries and the culture in which they were made yes so they could be an allegory for the five senses which is you know it's definitely what they are um and then the last well i mean it (laughs) is but it might kind of transcend that and then the last one might be about the heart right it might be about this maiden choosing love because the unicorn in some views represents a knight in chivalry like she's kind of falling in love and she's also super mm-hmm. pure because according to lore virgins are the only people who can attract unicorns so <laughs> yeah. she's kind of like trapped in this way and she's following this like set storyline of like arthurian knights and chivalry and all of that sort of mm-hmm. fanciful stuff or this other one is she's not like turning to love she's not saying oh i'm going to like fall in love with this unicorn she's kind of giving up earthly desires she's saying that her devotion to maybe like the church or god or spirituality transcends the like mere mortal experiences of like earthly life so she's giving up her you know wonderful life as a noble maiden to live with the unicorn for forever by you know there's the dream isn't it yeah they may be joining a cloister never like marrying or anything like that devoting herself to 
God. And this is the mm-hmm. medieval era. So that's why these tapestries are strange because they do talk a lot about like earthly pressures. You have the touch and the taste and all of that. So there's kind of some innuendos mm-hmm. that lead towards romance. But at the same time, the unicorn and the lion are very symbolic of just purity and yeah. religion as well. So it could be religious or it could be something about like falling in love and (laughs) lust yeah all of that good stuff so the person who commissioned these tapestries was a french lawyer named jean le biste i think it's jean or jean and he was really good friends with uh, the king at the time king louis the sixth and then king charles the eighth he was his advisor and then his wife was also friends with his wife Queen Anne of Brittany, who happened to commission another unicorn tapestry that was very similar to these around the same time. So maybe she saw saw her pal's tapestry. There, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They perhaps both were just the wife really into unicorns. Mm-hmm. The wife of this lawyer, Jean Leviste, Genevieve, may have seen what the queen was ordering. They were also very rich, and she could have decided that she wanted these tapestries to decorate her room and Mm -hmm. her palace and they could have been a statement about just earthly pleasure or how devoted she was to the church because she was a very religious woman as well Mm -hmm. and during this time in france and in europe in general there was a craze for both unicorns and flowers the tapestry (laughs) design of the day the textile design was called mille fleurs which Mm -hmm. means thousand flowers so you're seeing these designs everywhere and it's absolutely like, like the hip chic thing to yes. have a unicorn mellifleur mm-hmm. tapestry. And what the queen commissioned was the tapestry the hunt of the unicorn and that depicts the luring of the unicorn and its death a maiden like kind of pulls mm-hmm. it in she is the bait and that was a really common story and that's an allegory for like Jesus's relationship with the Virgin Mary mm-hmm. and it's a little bit less enigmatic it's very straightforward so that's why these red lady and the unicorn tapestries are so interesting because they're not depicting this like simple sim- like bible story that's just told with medieval animals instead yeah. so i think that it was inspired by the king but also they cost a lot of money and it's really difficult to look at how currency back then translates to currency nowadays and it's just it was it was tricky so what i did was i did use the amounts from tracy chevalier's book and she said that the weavers made 300 livres turnes which was the currency in france at the time and then the artist who designed them was paid seven livres turnes so that comes to 307 livres turnes which i know means nothing to people listening right now but what i was able to find was that one livre turnes was worth 240 deniers and (laughs) you could buy you could buy one rabbit for five Deniers, right? Okay. Okay, so let's assume (laughs) that we are buying tapestries using rabbits. Using rabbits. (laughs) Okay. Now, according to to Google, the average rabbit is seventy dollars for for a house pet rabbit or for like a rabbit that you eat. Okay, so the rabbit that you eat was like thirty dollars, and then like a show rabbit was like a hundred dollars. So I was like. Mm, 
60 70 dollars let's average yeah, this out okay, cool. yeah I was, actually a food rabbit might have been 40 dollars. so that's why i got the 70 dollars yeah that's per a rabbit i'm definitely between. not an expert I'm on rabbit currency that, but i know you mm-hmm. are i am so does that sound about my right PhD. yeah i think that sounds correct from my research and my thesis i did on rabbit oh currency. okay perfect so assuming that that is correct the tapestries cost seventy three thousand six hundred and eighty deniers which would boil down to fourteen thousand seven hundred and thirty six rabbits <laughs> right okay okay so if you take that many rabbits times seventy dollars usd you're gonna get one million thirty one thousand five hundred and twenty dollars for the production of these the entire orchestration yeah and the commission thought exactly i feel like that's a lot for like a commissioned art piece like you see really high-end stuff going in christie's for millions upon millions of dollars nowadays but like this is just original artwork the master of Brittany was the artist who did it and he was like kind of well known but it's not like we had da vinci's and michelangelo's at this time so he wasn't like a super famous yeah exactly so that's a good amount yeah yeah that was quite a bit these were very very expensive especially in a day when a lot of people were incredibly poor and living in cloisters or just like in rags on the street so this family was kind of rolling in dough they were very wealthy and they thought that this artwork needed to send a message that was worth that much money Mm. and what's strange is that this message is so enigmatic the fact that they were putting this the fact that they wanted to send a message yet no one and now no one knows the message yeah for sure um it is a little bit ambivalent so Like I said, there's a lot of symbolism. And I do kind of want to talk about what all of these things mean. So if you ever look at the Lady and the Unicorn Tapestries, and they're in front of our books right now. So Isabel, if you look at yours, you'll notice... I'm looking at my tapestry. Yes. So in Amonsol de Sur, you Mm -hmm. have the lady standing with the necklace, and her maiden is holding open a chest and she's placing the necklace in the chest. And you have a lion and a unicorn watching her and a beautiful blue tent behind her. And then there's four trees. And those four trees represent a season and a direction. So the oak is summer and it's pointing towards the north. The pine Mm. is autumn and that falls to the south. Holly is summer to the west and then orange is spring and that's blooming to the east. And then you also have all of these wonderful flowers too that are just sprouting up throughout the tapestry. Like there's no horizon line. The Mm. entire thing is just flowers upon flowers and it's kind of claustrophobic. It feels like she is just kind of being suffocated by this forest. Especially with this red background with the deep red background background surrounding everything yeah there's a lot of beauty but then there's also like this weird sort of innuendo about the colors that they were choosing Mm -hmm. um so if you look you can see mint and that's for guarding against poison and remember herbalism and plants back in this era were incredibly symbolic like that that's what symbolism mm -hmm. i mean that's what doctors were using for their medicine so plants weren't kind of like something that didn't mean as much now where you can just go and buy ibuprofen you can go and buy advil like 
Yeah. You they, have to be like, I'm going to get some men. Yeah. They had, they had purpose. They mm-hmm. were food and they were medicine. So there's Speedwell, Daisies, Marigolds. Those are all protections against stomach ailments. And there's also a lot of like religious flowers like Lily of the Valley, Foxglove, Columbine, Violets. Mm-hmm. Those were all representations of the Virgin Mary. The white dog roses were like for purity. And then the red dog roses were symbolic of Christ's blood. And periwinkle, um, what else? Stock, forget-me-nots. Those are all flowers that were symbolic of true love and constancy and all of these things. So that has made people wonder. So in this language of flowers, was this possibly a marriage um, Mm. present? Was it about loyalty? Was it about this girl like preserving her, her innocence yeah her innocence and her being loyal yeah being loyal to like something something else yeah. in a way and i think that those are incredibly interesting and you have animals as well because the dogs were representing loyalty there's hunting birds all around which were meant for her as she was like hunting the unicorn so i think that that's interesting that there's a little bit of violence mixed up in this romance where she yeah. is charming the unicorn but she also has these hunting dogs and hunting birds that are meant to do damage and yeah and and, and attack something and hurt it so it's almost like there's a trap being set both ways and you kind of you worry about the girl and you also worry about this this unicorn as well yeah so that's just something else and the unicorn itself in the medieval era was realistic like it, it it was real There were places in the East where people just hadn't traveled in Africa that were completely just alien and unexplored. And that was the realm where dragons and griffins and all of these fantastical creatures were just as real. Why do we have to go and explore? I don't know. It ruins everything. Like, think about... Chase them out. Well, imagine if you heard of, like, a giraffe or a crocodile or an ostrich. Like, or if you saw an artist exist oh yeah because horses exist yeah lots of deer with giant antlers are running around people know that those are real so Mm -hmm. i mean people thought that there's this weird deer thing called the okapi in africa and like the like back half of it has stripes of a zebra and the front half is like tall like a giraffe and that thing's strange i thought that was fake the first time i saw it but then i was like oh my gosh there's so many weird things out there that are just like you know they exist but if you've never seen them they're they're very exotic like if someone described it to you you'd be like "Hmm." yeah so imagine living in a world where you know we don't have airplanes there's no buses where traveling is really difficult and you're relying on illustrations by medieval artists to you know educate you on what lives out there yeah and, and if also you guys, in general like there's not a ton of well most people aren't literate either. yeah exactly so it's it's all like story it's and even story. the even the like literature that was around is like oh yeah not super accurate definitely not well a lot of it was like written by the church too yeah. so it's gonna have mm-hmm. kind of a religious skew on it as well mm-hmm. and if you guys have ever seen medieval art you know what I'm talking about if you haven't looked up medieval manuscripts go ahead and see what the drawing style was like because even normal animals like yeah. dogs and like horses take on a very 
fantastical look. Like they, yeah, they still look don't look a, real. They don't look like dogs. No, <laughs> definitely not. And so in a lot of like bestiaries, you see animals that are hybrids of two or more different species. You see things that are completely made up. Yeah. Like a hundred like men with dog heads and man-sized snails and just all of these things <laughs> that are mixed in with real life. So mm-hmm. that border between what exists and what is figmentation is very blurry yeah and so yeah unicorns are rare and they're revered and they're also super super symbolic because they represent a chastity and purity and goodness and nobility in themselves and so this is kind of why we think that the girl in the tapestries is unmarried and she's also wearing her hair down and in france during this period if you were married you would put your hair up in a hairdo so that's just another kind of hint Um, And during this time, people were super infatuated with the idea of courtly love. And the unicorn, like I said, is also um, an allegory for a knight since it's noble, it's a pure beast. Um, So perhaps the lady is exploring her five senses since she's kind of bound and trapped into a life of nobility. Everybody Mm -hmm. was watching. Like, especially if you were a girl, you had a lot of standards thrown on you in a noble family. you were also, like, never alone. You were always... Yeah, yeah. Like, you could mess up super easily. So even though your life was, like, wonderful and enchanted and all of that, you didn't have freedom. So when you look at these tapestries, yeah, they're gorgeous, but they also look like cages in a way. So... Yeah, and especially also because they're on a bit of an island, like... Yes. Yeah, they they really are. They're kind of, like, trying to keep the darkness of the forest out while still looking. So the unicorn could be likened to the lady's one love, you know? Like, opening up the world to her, opening up the idea of there being, like, a sense that transcends the other regular Mm -hmm. five. Um, And the unicorn is, like, bringing her awareness to that, to the sixth sense, like, one of the heart. But she could be merely letting go of all of her earthly desires um, that have been keeping her caged in more of, like, a mental way by placing her necklace in the chest. Like, she could be forsaking a life of luxury for one of spiritual enlightenment. Because Mm -hmm. after all, if she wanted to remain in the unicorn's company, she would have to live a life of chastity and dedication. And this interpretation has a lot more, like, more of a religious sort of point of view than the metaphor of the unicorn being her knight and her lover. So is she Isabel? I'm going to ask you this question. Okay. Is she giving up? Is she giving up her life of you know, warmth and jewels and velvets for one that is filled with true love? Mm -hmm. Or is she giving it up for one that is filled with, like, religious awakening? What do you think? This is the medieval era. I mean, like, realistically, I feel like it would depict her... I don't know. Mm, yeah it's hard it's hard because like the whole like france was obsessed with like you know like courtly love and that sort of like they were really into like romantic antics exactly they were super the times so fanciful like really dramatic sorry to 14th century french people but um i mean so i think that so i'm like so it it makes sense that there would just be a tapestry of her giving up everything for one true love you know and i think that like goes along with like 
novels, things that were written at the time. That's like you true. have that that's happening and, and, in the and world. And if you notice and, too, they are a little bit erotic in like a weird cartoony way. Yeah. Especially touch. So like I could I could justify. But then I'm also like if it was like a commissioned by a rich family, would they have been keen to have a commission of like if they're trying to send a message, like maybe it would be more. It just along doesn't the seem like it would aspect. exactly because like, it's like if it's it doesn't really seem about like a, like a lawyer who was friends with the king and stuff. I I don't think him and his wife would commission a piece. A piece about like like a, a cute little love story with a unicorn. Yeah, you yeah know? exactly. Yeah, like their daughter running off into the forest and yeah. falling in love. Like it just doesn't and, seem like like touching a unicorn's horn and be like oh, because that's an expensive marriage gift. And even if it was a marriage gift, it's just like and also like yeah, yeah. I don't know, but then again, it's hard. Could it be both? That's kind of where I know that's cheating, but I'm like maybe yeah, I mean, maybe. maybe the guy who commissioned Jean Leviste, the lawyer, was just like, you know, just make this, make it about like a just woman, make, or just like make a tapestry that like looks really good that shows I'm rich. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so the fact that this tapestry could have a double meaning might just mean that, like, the artist had more of a say. Maybe yeah, and more of an idea. Maybe the wife, Genevieve, had more of a pull. If she was super religious, like in the book, it would have been about yeah. that aspect. But there was also, there were many hands in creating this That's tapestry. That's the hard part as well, is that it wasn't just, you know, one or two people working on it. There was... Yeah. The artist, the people that commissioned it, mm-hmm. the, There's the, the cart- weaver, oh, like the yeah. cartoonist, mm-hmm. everyone. There are so many people involved in it that it does make it. So like maybe you the said, message just yeah, kind of got, got skewed because everyone else is applying their own sort of interpretation. Everybody has meaning. an agenda. Yeah. yeah. So I think it might be to some people one thing back then, and to other people something else. Like I think it has that unique yeah. ability to be a religious allegory for some people who wanted to see it as that and then also maybe something a little bit like more uh on the other side which of i guess things. This, that's smart as well because if people are looking at it and gonna judge it for being like this romantic sort of yeah metaphor then you can be like no no it's it, it's religious i think that's what's so cool about it and, and I then think... they, you know so maybe that was like the trick they played i kind of like, like that. when people came over to their house for dinner and they're like oh is this is this uh, the romance and no, no it's no, an allegory no, it's an allegory for, for joining the cloisters <laughs> yeah for... yes yes joining the unicorn the is convent. christ <laughs> and the lion is guarding her and she is giving up everything we're very to religious yeah. yes in a stone cell with rosary beads exactly. so i think that it's probably like that and that's why the medieval era is just so interesting because it was mm-hmm. very suppressed and people had oh, these yeah. ideals and so much mm-hmm. the church owned quite a bit you had to be on its good side oh, but yeah. people are still people and there was a lot of violence and and a lot of things happening behind behind like, the closed scenes. doors yeah, yeah exactly that still went on so something a piece of artwork of this caliber with this many people involved in it was likely was likely, I don't know, just a result of multiple ideas coming together and getting synthesized in something that is mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous. And it's on display too. So if anybody wants to take a quick hop over to Paris to the Musée de Cluny. Enter our raffle and we'll all take a trip to... Exactly. Yes. Support our Patreon, which isn't even set up. <laughs> um, but no, like I think that 
the way the fact that we're still talking about these means that they were yeah. successful art and to look at them too from a modern day perspective and kind of wonder like what has changed like do we still mm-hmm. value these things like for that same message for the message of like being magical and pure or the message of the five senses like what do we take away when we look at these as people living in the 21st century because um, we really can digest them with more of an omnipresent point of view so but at the same time like they're they're both values that like in different ways that's true i yeah. feel like our like i mean there is still um like those religious ideals and that have stayed the same yeah. for all this for a lot of people for a lot and of other people. people who they do not matter to yeah so. and for them then maybe this idea of like love and giving up everything for love is also like an ideal that stayed really present in our yeah well and i think it's society so. something that like yes people will choose their side but everybody internally has both of those things to some extent within yeah. them so these tapestries are really beautiful visual metaphors of that Ooh. that crimson garden that's growing in all of our hearts and our souls yeah wow <laughs> think about that when you go to bed tonight kids. exactly <laughs> yes yes but no someday i really do want to go to paris and stand in that room because these tapestries yeah. had like a function they were meant to keep a room warm and insulated and to make it into an environment another world that's what these giant tapestries yeah, were and just really to see meant them in person and see them that big as well like mm-hmm. I, i'm sure your eye would be drawn to different parts of it all and... of the ladies staring at yeah. us yeah a tea party with them mm-hmm. in the garden yes and also i should mention that the unicorn and the lion they're often holding banners which depict the leviste family crest which is mm. three crescent moons and i think that is just like absolutely it's gorgeous it's yeah, simple a modern nice family and crest. i don't i have one of those no my family crest is so dumb i should probably just make a family crest and then commission somebody to weave me some tapestries yes yes and then forget it's your, them. it's your small chihuahua ivy <laughs> yes exactly yeah she is the main feature she is the one taming the unicorn in these tapestries <laughs> chihuahuas and unicorns all the way um but yeah, so I'm going to leave you guys with this to kind of yeah. think about and digest and come to your own conclusion insofar as what you think the main message of these tapestries was about and just how interesting it is that somebody could spend so much time and so much money on something that then disappeared. And so many rabbits on something. Yes, yes. That, <laughs> so yeah, 14,000 rabbits is no joke. What did these mean? And how could yeah. this meaning get so lost in history? We get to delve into that. And we yeah, get to think go, about it. Go look them up. Let exactly. us know what you think. Reach out. Mm-hmm. We are at Far Beyond Pod on Instagram. We might do a little like blog thing as well. And all of that information will be up wherever you're listening to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Anchor. 